It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Yeah, JT, back with you. Hour number two in studio today with Bobby. Last time I was in studio was our 25-year anniversary show where we heard from John Gruden and we heard from Fred Bolitnikoff and Tom Flores. Speaking of Tom Flores, I am booked. I'm going to Canton with my wife. We are going to the induction of Tom Flores into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I am thrilled about that with the Bolitnikoffs and all the writer dignitaries. So that'll be in the first week in August. Plain car rental, hotel in Canton. Can't wait to be there. I hope a lot of Raider fans are pilgrimaging out to that event in Canton, Ohio for Charles Woodson and obviously Tom Flores in the hopes of Cliff Branch eventually getting in. That is a big part of the summer here. Kind of about two months away, so we look forward to that. Man, a lot of concerts coming to Allegiant Stadium and big events. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow. And get into what's happening here. But this hour brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. Why pay more? The Henderson Hyundai Superstore is located at 460 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. They have the super deals you're looking for. Also, Virgin Hotels this weekend. The real grand opening with Sir Richard Branson, Christina Aguilera concert. Bunch of events going on. We're giving away two tickets later on this hour. So I think you'd want to be there. Uh, last night when I was on Sirius XM, I was jumping up and down in my home studio. The Knights were down 2 nothing on the brink, and they come back, and they score three unanswered to win the game in overtime. Joining us, Darren Millard, the host of the Vegas Golden Knights TV broadcast and co-host of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Darren, good to talk to you again, and quite simply, was that the greatest win in Golden Knights history so far? Well, it was uh, one of the most thrilling. Uh, I think they've probably played uh, a more consistent game over the stretch of uh, contest. But uh, when you consider what you've done in the series and coming back from 2 nothing down and then to be faced with that deficit in the middle of a, of, of a game and, and on the road and a bill the other team hasn't lost uh, in 13 or 14 games and uh, 20 and one uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was a... Uh, a dramatic win, and uh, and certainly a place that you had to win at uh, at some point uh, to be able to to win the series, and then they got it done uh, through overtime. But I don't think you want to be put in that position too many times. But the uh, the ability to come back, this team was so great in the third period all year long. Uh, JT, as you know, uh, they they just upped the stakes a little bit last night. Is that conditioning? What happens? You know behind the scenes, the speeches that are made in between the second and third intermission that you can't, you can't go to that well every time and break a stick and scream, and this is it, we got to win this game. But something happens with this team and Mark Stone when their back is up against the wall and they get back to their game and this group comes together. I would say conditioning certainly played a role uh, early in the season, JT, because uh, so many of the players were here and uh, and were training, and were were in the city uh, coming out of uh, in the pandemic. So that uh, that certainly played a role. Uh, but then then you get into uh, two other things. One is is depth and being able to roll four lines, and and Vegas 
uh, I was watching the game with, with Shane Knighty last night, and he was talking about how uh, Colorado was uh, was certainly going with a shorter bench, and and Vegas was was rolling their line. So it, you could also point to uh, it catching up to to Colorado or the depth paying off uh, that uh, the, the Golden Knights were a little bit fresher. And then you get into doing it a few times over the course of the year. And the third period was by far the best uh, period from uh, execution and, and scoring standpoint. So uh, being able to do that was uh, leads to your belief and, and belief uh, and execution and then the conditioning and rolling the four lines. It, uh, it, it kind of came together in a, in a perfect uh, execution and, and scoring early. JT, uh, that that was just uh, an ability to give them something to grab onto, and the Alex Tuck goal early on was 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 what uh, kind of drove the boat. Darren Millard is our guest, so let's get to what has to happen. Part of my life, twenty five years on the radio, and being in situations as a fan and as a host with Game Seven, I always say when Game Seven is on the road, Game Six is game seven. Some people get it, some people don't. You gotta win game six, the deflation to get on an airplane and fly all the way back. Of course the Golden Knights can win game seven. They just won there, but with puck luck, referees, goaltending, a dirty goal getting in there, can you talk about the sense of urgency? Peter DeBoer's message to close this out tomorrow night at the Fortress. Yeah, I, I think there's certainly something to be said about uh, playing Game Six to avoid Game Seven. Uh, I think that's uh, that's definitely uh, in the back of, uh, of everybody's mind. And you don't want to go into a hostile environment. You don't want to uh, put it into one game, uh, winner take all. Uh, you don't want to uh, play play a team where one bounce or, or with the game breakers that they have. Uh, can can determine an entire series. Uh, it's just uh, it's just simple. So uh, tomorrow night, uh, I think you'll you'll see. Uh, I, I I'm with you in the sense of uh, I'll just compare it to the Minnesota series, where there's just just more urgency in Game Six uh, for the Golden Knights uh, tomorrow night than there was in the Minnesota series, where you knew you were coming back home. Uh, and uh, and you knew you were going to have uh, the crowd, and the, at that point, uh, still a building crowd uh, in their favor. So, yeah, I I, I just uh, I, as many times as you can avoid uh, the the one off and the the, the chance that uh, a fluky goal or a puck over the glass or anything like that can influence an entire series. You, you better put your pet foot down. And and I think that there's also an element of learning from from what they went through in the 3-1 series lead against Minnesota and trying to put a team away. You know, I don't count my kegs before they're tapped, my friend, but I'm looking mm-hmm. at I'm looking at Montreal on the other side, and I'm saying, oh, my God, this team was average at best. Average is a compliment. Everybody in Toronto was ready to bury them, and now Montreal have a lead in every game they play. They're world beaters, and they're sitting back resting. What's changed so much with the Canadians? Uh, one, uh, goaltending yeah. bought them some time. And, uh, number two, that was a team that, uh, you could say was built more for uh, a postseason run than it was the regular season. Uh, and then, uh, why would you do that? Why would you build for the postseason uh, instead of the regular season? Well, uh, the, the, the regular season, uh, up north was wide open. Like there was very little physicality. And, uh, and it was, uh, very much steered towards the skill teams. And those skill teams were Edmonton, Toronto, 
uh, that uh, that excelled. Uh, once you get into a deeper playoff run where it's intensity and you're playing uh, over and over and over, and you can uh, do some matchups, uh, uh, it changes the uh, the situation and it even things out. And the two teams that were built more for the playoffs were Winnipeg and Montreal, and uh, and they advanced to the second round. And it was Montreal that came out. Um, uh, they've got something like just some, every every now and then something happens, and, and we don't know why. And and there's uh, you call it the Montreal ghost. Uh, that's certainly uh, I think a predominant factor that you can you can grab onto. But uh, but that uh, that team I think was built more for this situation, so that helps them out. Uh, you add in world class goaltending like Carey Price, who has uh, come back and has been unflappable, and then. They have they have some game breakers now that they didn't have in the last couple of years. And Tyler Toffoli is one of those uh, former teammate of Alec Martinez, and uh, and he's been able to get it done as well. Uh, they're they're uh, not a team that's just going to roll over. Uh, that will be an interesting series for either Colorado or Vegas. In my uh, junior year in high school, I went to the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum to see mm. Charlie Daniels Band and Aerosmith that year. And then, you know, every year the Islanders won the Cup, as we talked about, the team of my youth. I can't believe how Uniondale is rocking. They despise the Bees. The Bees despise the Islanders. And now coaches, especially on the Boston side, getting a little chippy with the referees in that series. Handicap that series and who you think comes out. Well, uh, I'll say this. Um, on my podcast, uh, on the turf, I chatted with Ken Morrow. Uh, oh, my favorite, know, yes. And, and Brad Park uh, this week uh, because they met – uh, on opposing sides, the last time the Bruins and the Islanders played in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which was 1983, uh, it's hard to believe that they've only now. This is only the third time that they've ever the two franchises have ever met in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, and uh, that was the Islanders' last uh, championship uh, in their run of four, four straight. And what we talked about was uh, was Fort Neverlose, which you would be familiar with in Nassau Coliseum, what they nicknamed that place mm-hmm. uh, because they won 19 straight playoffs. And what's what's hard to believe uh, out of all of that is that they're still playing in that building and that it's still around and it's uh, still going. But they they've got that type of uh, belief right now. Uh, uh, coaching has been great. Uh, Barry Trotz yeah. and, and uh, Bruce Cassidy have been awesome. And uh, and you've got this plucky Islander group that uh, that has a couple of stars, but uh, by by uh, all intents and purposes is built very much like Lou Lamorello's New Jersey Devils, where you get it done by committee. And uh, and they uh, they have managed to uh, to push the envelope. I I don't know whether uh, the series ends up going seven or not, but uh, but the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, uh, hopes certainly hope it does. Uh, the two teams that are built very similarly, though Boston has a, has a better first line. Uh, I, I I'd like to give you some some insight of who's going to win, but I've I've counted Boston out like the last mm-hmm. two years. And they keep coming back, and they keep making noise. So uh, with Tukarask and uh, and uh, Patrice Bergeron, I don't anticipate that uh, that I would be surprised if that went seven, uh, and it went overtime in Game Seven. Just the way that series has gone back and forth, it's been the most competitive series. Like as far as uh, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, that kind of thing. It's been the best series of the second round. Darren, last one on the Golden Knights. How do you think Robin Leonard is handling all this? Thrown into a really tough spot in Game 1. Team wasn't sharp in that game. He loses. A lot of fans knew he was going to get one chance to play. 
Now, I always thought if the Golden Knights win the cup, they were going to have to use the depth of the goaltender position. And now it looks like it's flurry the rest of the way, obviously. How is he handling this, and how important is this for him being a Golden Knight in the future? Well, his hat tosses, uh, if yeah. that's any indication, uh, he's handling it really well, uh, having uh, thrown the hats on the ice uh, after the two, uh, the two hat tricks. Um, uh, handling it, great. Uh, handling it going forward, let's, let's see what happens, uh, mm-hmm. JT. You, we're not halfway through this run uh, as of yet. So let's just wait and see uh, how much of a role Robin Leonard has yet to uh, uh, will, will end up playing in this script. So far, uh, great. He, it, just, just giving Marc-Andre Fleury the one game off, uh, coming off uh, Game Seven, uh, remember Mark Andre Fleury is three and one in this series uh, so far against the Colorado Avalanche. Is is he three and one in this series because he got the one day rest? And uh, and even Robin Leonard going in and taking all the heat uh, in that one game, it allowed uh, some 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 build uh, up uh, and recuperation uh, for Mark Andre Fleury. So it, it won't go down in the stats, but uh, how much did that play a role? And Mark Andre Fleury being fresh enough to come back and play four great games, which we've seen from him in this series. So uh, I don't think you can measure Robin Leonard's uh, impact uh, solely by uh, the seven goals that he allowed in, in game one of this series. I think it, uh, it has an influence in how Mark Andre Fleury's responded in the last four. Thanks, Darren. Great job on TV as always, and especially on radio here at Lotus. Always appreciate your time. Uh, anytime, JT. It's been far too long, buddy. You got it, buddy. There he is, Darren Millard, uh, the host of the Vegas Golden Knights TV broadcast. I love this team. I don't apologize for that. I'm not a journalist. I don't write for the newspaper. What are you talking about here? I'm a fan behind a microphone. That's all I've ever been. I cut the cord on the Islanders because this team was an expansion team. I never would have cut the cord on the Islanders. I would have said, Vegas, I want them to win. I live here, blah, blah, blah. I live here. I want Vegas to do well. No, I knew it. I did shows on this topic. Bobby's nodding his head. Bobby's nodding his head because when we talked about this, I said, hey, Bobby, this isn't going to work. Kind of like when I came to the Raiders. I had a powwow with the Black Hole. Black Hole Robin said, hey, I'm a Giants fan. I'm a Giants fan, but I want to help the Raiders on the radio. I said, great. I'm going to go all in, though. I said, great. Now it's 23 years with the Raiders now. And I root for the Raiders, I work for the team, and I want them to win. But this Golden Knight thing, it was right in front of me. It was obvious. So who cares if I'm a fan? I'm not cheering in the press box. I don't get up in front of Vince Sapienza and Ed Graney and cheer. There's no cheering in the press box. I've heard you cheer in the studio. I cheer in the studio. I cheer at home. My wife now watches. My wife watches full hockey games right now. Full games. Can you imagine? Yeah, she's like, when's the game on? When's the game on? Backyard brick. What are we doing? Game's on at 6. Oh, not 7? No. Right in front of the TV. Can you imagine? Yeah. She, she didn't grow up with hockey. <laughs> no, She no. Love, loves it. And then I told you the story two weeks ago when my son goes, Mr. Son, you know, he's on his internship now for college. Yeah, Dad, I'm going to the game. 300 bucks. What? Yeah, I just got a ticket online going with his buddies. Put on the jersey, went right in. This is what my family does. We are totally into the teams we want to win and we're behind the golden knights we want them to do well raider fans come up to me do you want to win do you want them to win before the raiders stop are you kidding me we want the raiders to win multiple super bowls over the years here and we want the knights to win multiple stanley cups and as you know bobby i want kevin krueger 
to do great things. Sweet 16, Final Four. I'm all behind him. And the Las Vegas Aces are probably going to go to the playoffs again this year. Yeah, and Mark Davis owns the team. You wonder why we did less, less than five minutes of UNLV basketball. Could you imagine if you had to listen to UNLV basketball on the radio? Oh, I and like you were sitting in your car for 20 minutes on a commute and you had to listen to UNLV basketball before Kevin Kruger? It's the worst the program ever, ever, ever has been. TJ Otzelberger wanted nothing to do with any of us. None of us. Right? The team stunk. Yeah, and, and, stunk. And, and people want to talk for 20 minutes out of an hour on UNLV basketball. No, I'll talk about them now because Kevin Kruger's here and Lon Kruger is up there like the wizard ready to help. Now UNLV basketball makes it onto this show because bad content doesn't make it on this show. We got John Clayton coming up in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. The professor, Scott Kaplan, ESPN 710 coming up next. But, again, we're Raider Nation Radio in the Raider offseason. I'm not doing two hours of Raiders if I don't have 20 minutes of Raiders. And I got 20 minutes of Raiders every day. Tomorrow, I probably got about an hour and a half Raiders because Vinny Bonsignor is going to join me in studio. Probably going to get a guest over at the facility. We'll be in the building. In the building, Bobby. And then I'm heading over to the M because the M wants to take more pictures. I'll leave it at that. So we're going to go through the M, our proud partner, and take more photos with some Charles Woodson wine and some Madela Cerveza and some Remy Martin Cognac, and we're going to do all that. We're going to do that tomorrow. I can't go to the game tomorrow night because I have to work. Work, 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 work. Two kids in college. Got to work. I know. You're running the broadcast. Scott Kaplan coming up in a bit from ESPN 710 in L.A. And the professor, John Clayton. At 140, as we go around the NFL, who do, you don't want to miss John Clayton. He's coming up in 20 minutes. his ankle too and he's limping uh, by the basket stanchion behind it that was the anthony davis injury and it's the summer without lebron scott kaplan will join us in a few minutes turn it up bobby good to hear the who tomorrow morning for psl holders guns and roses tickets go on sale which will be interesting because i have some friends who only like to sit in certain spots and i'm like guys doesn't work that way. You get the pass, you get in the portal, tickets pop up, and you get what you get. And there's different price points. And I think fans are getting used to that now. I know a lot of the staff who are working with the Raiders in regards to tickets to other events here. You won't believe the business that they're doing with these. WWE SummerSlam, Garth Brooks, Guns N' Roses, soccer, got the soccer tickets, Alunium if you're going to that show, Whatever's coming here, remember, it's a football stadium that is going to put on many more events than football games. A lot of people can't come to grips on that, okay? It's a football stadium, but they're going to put on a lot of other events. And people are going to see a lot of these events before they see a Raider game. And that was never the plan. But COVID was never in the plans. And COVID bounced the Raider fans out of there for a year. 
So a lot of people have been able to go in there and see their seats. They went to their seat preview. Uh, they've been to other events there, and it's going to be great. I mean, anybody who gets inside the stadium and sees it, I don't know of anybody who hasn't been blown away. I'm talking about the biggest critics who have come from the East Bay saying, whatever, I'll go. And then they come out of the tour, and they're just blown away. They're going on Instagram and Twitter saying, I had no idea. That's why this is such an important moment for the history of this city. With Resorts World opening up. Again, we talked about Virgin. We'll give a couple of tickets away coming up here in a minute. We want all these projects to work, right? This is, if we live here in Vegas, we want everything to work. There are a lot of businesses that are coming back again, and a lot of people have been patient. Scott Kaplan's calling in in a minute. Deshaun Watson, who had requested a trade from the Houston Texans before multiple lawsuits alleging sexual assault. It looks like now one of his former teammates, Kareem Jackson, said he wants to join the Denver Broncos. Quote, I got a great relationship with Deshaun. Jackson, who plays for the Broncos, told former NFL player Akib Tlaib on his Catch and Fades podcast, I've been talking to him the last couple of weeks, man, and, like, all he's been telling me is, like, Jack, just tell him, like, that's where I want to be. He's like, I want to be in Denver. I don't say like. Right? So please don't blame me. That's his quote, how many times he said like. How does that affect the Raiders? Deshaun Watson is a great player, not good player. He's very young. He's got some legal issues in front of him. I believe they're going to be settled. That's what's happening now. They're trying to settle them. And he could be damaged goods. I don't know how it's going to play out. But he's very young. If he ends up going to the Broncos, the Raiders are going to have to see him for 10 years. They're going to see... Mahomes for 10 plus years. I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, or Deshaun Watson for 10 plus years. They're all not good. They're great. Okay. They're at the highest level of the quarterback position. So every Raider fan can pound their chest. I don't care. I don't. Yeah, you do care. The last thing you want to see is Justin Herbert twice a year. He's not good. He's great. He was the best one I saw last year at Allegiant Stadium. Everyone who asked me, Brady, Josh Allen, I saw them all. Tua, everybody was there. Justin Herbert was the best to me. Just my my opinion, he was the best quarterback to play at Allegiant Stadium. Carr played in all the games, so I give the nod to Derek because he had more attempts, but on the road, and Herbert was great. You know there's an opportunity that the Raiders would have to see Deshaun Watson slash Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, and Mahomes. We're not talking for two or three years. If it's Deshaun Watson, it's for a decade. Get them out of Denver. Denver's a last-place team if they don't get these guys. If they do, they go to second, or the Raiders are going to have to go to war with them to fight for a wild card. I don't want to see that. Scott Kaplan, my buddy, joins us from ESPN in L.A. via San Diego, where he lives. Cap, thanks for calling in, and what is it like in L.A. without LeBron James in the mainstream media every day? You know, it's amazing because... The Clipper fans will call us at the Lakers radio station saying, where's the love? You know, the the Clippers are in the playoffs and the Lakers got bounced. So where's the love for the Clippers? And I think, JT, a lot of Laker fans are still trying to grasp that, oh, my goodness, LeBron James got bounced in the first round of the playoffs on his home floor where he had never really played. 
because remember, you know, the, the championship was won in the bubble. So there were no playoff games in Staples Center. Uh, people are still having a hard time trying to figure it out. And now what I love is the pointing of the fingers. Who's the guy that's got to go? Is it Schroeder? Is it Kuzma? There are some people say, Anthony Davis, you'll never be able to trust him and count on him to be healthy. And then today we had people calling saying, maybe it's LeBron who's gotten old. So, yeah, life without LeBron right now, it's, uh, it's certainly an adjustment that we were not prepared for. I thought it was interesting when LeBron had his post-game press conference when he talked about the Bugs Bunny movie Space Jam and how he's going to hang with them and what he's going to do. And I thought there was some fair criticism because that's something Kobe wouldn't have done after a loss of that magnitude. I don't think you would have heard it from Shaq or others, but we, LeBron is so polarizing. Whatever he says makes news. But this is going to be an important offseason for him. He's got an ankle he has to rest. Anthony Davis has got to get healthy again. And do you believe LeBron will be out recruiting? I think he's got to go get a number three. He's got to go try to get another star if he wants to catch Jordan and win more, a couple more rings. he got to at least find somebody that can knock down shots because that's the one thing this team could not do. When he was not on the floor, they were just trash. And nobody on that team can hit a clutch shot. And they've got to revamp this roster because you just – don't know if Anthony Davis is ever really going to be able to be fully healthy and and can you really count on him all season long and the other part of the problem is the NBA is about long range shooters JT it's not about you know big tough centers down in the paint anymore and so they don't have anybody currently on this roster that is a clutch sharpshooter and they got to get one of those kinds of guys cuz I just think that we've come to the realization that LeBron at 36 going on 37, he's not a carry everybody on his back anymore kind of guy. And Anthony Davis can't be counted on because of his health. So they got to find somebody or multiple bodies that can actually shoot the ball. Well, as we in LA, you have the reigning champions and the Dodgers and this big baseball topic. Now our pitchers cheating and major league baseball is about to come down on them for foreign substances. So it could be a sticky substance. It could be them scuffing the ball, scratching the ball for spin rate. And I think it's a big topic because Trevor Bauer is someone in L.A. who speaks up on every topic. And he always wants to talk about something that's happening here. How big of a story is this in Los Angeles? Well, like so many other things in Los Angeles, um, people try and brush it under the rug when it's your team. You know, it, it's like, you know, ask a San Francisco Giants fan about steroids and Barry Bonds. They're like, hey, what's the problem? What's the issue? And I get it. You know, uh, fans want to protect their team. But I got to say, Trevor Bauer practically came right out and admitted that he's messing with the balls, whether, you know, whatever it is that he's doing. He admitted that he's doing it because he pretty much said, look, when asked, well, what would you be like if you weren't doing anything to the baseball? Because you say everybody is doing the same thing. And he said, oh, you want to know what I'd be like? Just go back and look at my numbers from 2018. I mean, that, that is an admission. Like, hey, back then, that's what I did. Now I'm using all these advantages. And, you know, he's kind of painted himself as, hey, I'm just, I'm just a guy who's doing what everybody else is doing. If you want to outlaw it, then take it away from me, too. But it's a practical admission that that's what he's been doing. And, you know, I love Dave Roberts. I do, the manager of the Dodgers. But, you know, Dave Roberts covers for it also. Like, hey, wait a second. It's not against the rules, is it? Um, okay. But do what you got to do, man. I don't, I don't 
begrudge anybody, man. If I could make that money, $102 million like Trevor Bauer, I'd do anything they, they told me to do to the ball. Scott Kaplan joins us, ESPN LA. You make an interesting point. That's the whole point, is that we're bored because we're seeing pitchers dominate, but we weren't bored by the long ball and steroids until it had to be taken out of the game. Now baseball wants to take it out of the game, and the Padres are a phenomenal team. If I go see the Padres at Petco, I want to see Tatis hit a bomb. I want to see runs being scored. Jacob DeGrom comes in there the other night. The guy's unhittable. It's like you're seeing Bob Gibson and Koufax combined in a game like this. And, Cap, I think you got to look at DeGrom, too. Is he a nicer guy than Garrett Cole? So one place for the Yankees and the other place for the Mets or Bauer plays in L.A.? I want to know everybody who's doing this. And if they are doing this and if they take it away, all of a sudden are we going to see DeGrom go from a .06 ERA to a a 1.25? It'll show up in the stats, right? I think so. And, by the way, I love how Clayton Kershaw – has come out and said, you see all these no-hitters in the first, like, 60 days of the yeah. season? That's actually, that's actually not a good thing for baseball. Um, it, it's great if you're a good pitcher and you can actually have a, a no-hitter uh, on your resume, but it's really not great for the game because people want to see hits and runs and action and movement. But all these no-hitters, not exactly great for the game of baseball. So... I, I thought it was awesome that Kershaw, who I wonder, you know, here's Bauer, who's brought into this team off a Cy Young year, $102 million deal for two years. And let's face it, um, he's a pain in the ass. So is he good enough that you put up with him? And I wonder if Kershaw is kind of firing back a little bit since he's brought this controversy to them. Scott Kaplan joins us as we wrap this up. So, I sent you the video of the nightclub in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. And I thought of you. I thought of you because you do all these sideline hits with all your years on Westwood One. Can you you imagine you're working Monday night football or a big game and you kind of slide over by the nightclub in the back of the end zone and you're looking right over to your left and there's someone with a bottle of Grey Goose and a bottle of Dom watching a football game in (laughs) Vegas? What do you think of that? I saw your video. And I could not believe the DJ booth is practically in the end zone. Um, so what the Raiders and their partners are going to create is, is going to be such a Vegasy vibe. You know, you make it, you talk about going to Petco Park. They've turned a baseball park into, uh, you know, an homage of San Diego. Same thing in Vegas. They're turning the end zone into a bottle service, high-end, nightclub dude i love the videos i thought it was awesome it's amazing what we have to do now to just keep people interested we have kids roughly the same age and you know you want to take them to a game and there's just got to be something more for them it's just not like the old days of going to a game and enjoying it and getting that quality time now entertainment is everything hey finally a last going forward here aaron Rodgers can't land in la because of Matthew Stafford and Justin Herbert's great. He's not good. He's great. So that leaves Denver and possibly the Raiders because we love Carr here. I don't think that's going to happen here. But how are you covering the Aaron Rodgers stories? You've got a lot of contacts around the NFL. Do you think this is going to turn into a really ugly situation or you know, calmer heads are going to prevail there? He's going to come back for maybe one year before he gets traded. I definitely think Aaron Rodgers plays. 
I know there's a lot of people that think he's just going to go on some long vacation in Hawaii and hang out with all of his pals who are actors. I don't think so. I think he's going to come back and play. Um, Everything seems to point to him being traded to Denver, although a lot of the quote-unquote insiders say that won't happen until during the regular season. He would get traded six weeks into the season. I don't believe that. I don't think that the the Packers want to do that if they know that that's the end result. But here's what I think is going to happen is I – I, you know, listen, I just, I'm looking into a crystal ball, JT, and I'm talking to people who know Rodgers certainly a lot better than I do. And they think he will go back to Green Bay, he will play, he will be a great teammate, he will be coached um, and will be Aaron Rodgers, but he will be a gigantic pain in the front office's ass. And he will certainly make uh, everybody upstairs uncomfortable because that's the kind of guy that he is. Um, I still think he's a competitor and a player, and I think he's still going to go play for his teammates, and maybe that's being naive and old school, but I just think that he he can make life really uncomfortable for the guys in the front office who that's really who he's going after. Good to talk to you, my friend. I'll see you this summer. Enjoy the rest of the summer without LeBron. Knowing you, you'll get in a triathlon. You'll you'll have a horse win a race at Del Mar, or you'll run a marathon. So enjoy the rest of the summer, my friend. <laughs> Dude, I want to see you for opening day at Del Mar. I want to see you for the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. I look forward to seeing you, but I'm not coming to Vegas during the summer. It's too damn hot. Well, I understand. It is hot here. Thanks, Cap. Got to run. Hear the music. How good is Scott Kaplan? ESPN 710 in L.A. My longtime radio buddy. Longtime radio buddy. Coming up next to Professor John Clayton, brought to you by Grimaldi's. It's the best pizza I've ever had. I'm dead serious. I'm a New Yorker. Go to Grimaldi's. First and 10 at the 11 now. Ryan to the gun, Freeman to his right. Here's Matt looking for Julio. Caught at the five, and Jones will give it to him. They're talking, they're discussing. Touchdown, Atlanta and Julio Jones. Julio Jones now, member of the Titans, JT, back with you, Raider Nation Radio. Joining me is one of the premier NFL insiders, period, my friend. Good to have him from ESPN in Seattle and his podcast, Schooled with the Professor. The great John Clayton joins us. John, I hope you're enjoying the summer. How are you? Uh, Doing good, JT. How are you? Couldn't be better, obviously, going back. I will see you in Canton for Coach Flores, Charles Woodson, and this unbelievable class. I'm assuming you've made your plans to be there. Uh, It's funny because I still haven't taken the point of flying yet. I have not flown since the combine of last year in February, and so I'm being very cautious about it. But at some point, I'm going to start hitting the road. There you go. Let's go through the Julio Jones deal and the compensation. Walk me through that. Was that a great deal for Tennessee, or did you like the value for Atlanta? I think it was a win-win for both. Now, Atlanta was not going to get a number one pick. That's pretty simple because, I mean, you know how it goes now with the salary cap, and particularly a salary cap that's down to 182.5, that you're not going to be able to give the full value for it, no matter how good the player is going to be. Sure, you might be able to do it for a quarterback, but, I mean, you're seeing you know, all these wide receivers for the most part uh, going for number twos or a little bit uh, you know, less than that because you know, what uh, Atlanta was able to win on is, one, Tennessee was 
the most active in trying to do it because they needed him more than any of the other teams looking to try to get him. You know, because Corey Davis ended up leaving, Juno Smith ended up leaving a tight end, both going to the New York Jets. And so Tennessee needed to come up with somebody to fill out their three-receiver formation. And so they give the extra four, and they check the box by paying the entire $15.3 million base salary. And that's a big thing for the Falcons. I'm sure the other teams like Baltimore, New England, Seattle, uh, most of the teams, San Francisco in the NFC West, they took the position, it's like, hey, if we're going to make this deal, you've got to kick in some money. Well, the Titans didn't do it. They just restructured Ryan Tannehill's contract and so fitted in, and now they're all set with, I think, a good deal. And Atlanta gets a good deal because they get you know, a two next year and a very good draft that's going to help them out, and they'll get an extra four. John Clayton joins us. John, that's really important what you said at the end with the Ryan Tannehill restructure. You've been doing this a long time, so have I. It seems like everybody can restructure. Everybody who says the money's a problem, I'm up against the cap, how we're going to do it, they find one player, a quarterback, or someone else, they restructure, and all of a sudden the math lines up. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because we saw two deals that came down that were published yesterday that uh, was pretty remarkable because you know here's Tannehill making $24 million bucks. And so what he was able to do was take his base salary down uh, to uh, $1,075,000, and then they put that, all the rest of the money over a five-year period. So you know they spread that out, and they save the $23 million of cap room, and that helps them out. Marcus Lattimore did something very similar, uh, although what was so different is he's on an, a fifth-year option. And so what he did is he took his base salary down to 990000 and then had four voidable years. So that stretches it out for five years. In the case of Tannehill, he has two voidable years. But the one thing that I think Tannehill is willing to do that for, number one, you know, he and Julio Jones are on the same page because they've both got three years rem- remaining in their contract, if you include this year. John Clayton is our guest. John, what of your sources, including John McClain, anybody you have in Houston telling you about Deshaun Watson, who in a podcast one of his former teammates said he's interested in Denver. It feels like a settlement. I know there's attorneys. They're going to try to figure it out. We're not going to get that information. But it's been so quiet after it being such a hot topic. Yeah, because, again, nothing, nothing's going to happen. I mean, for example, uh, you know, they, he, there's not going to be a deposition of uh, Deshaun Watson until February 22nd of next year. So the case is going to be held up unless they do reach, reach the settlement with 22. And who knows about that? We also don't know what the commissioner is going to do as far as the suspension, you know, because you watched a couple years ago in, what, 2011, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was not uh, charged with anything, but he had a, a claim from a woman in Georgia that there was going to be uh, there was a sexual assault. And so the commissioner suspended him six games and then cut it down to four. You wonder if that's going to be the same thing with, uh, you know, with what the commissioner might do, but we don't know that. They're still investigating. And then, of course, the irony of uh, Kareem Jackson's comments comes at a time that uh, you know, we find out that uh, you know, there are all these things going on uh, with quarterbacks. And so it's like, I thought that was kind of interesting in the sense that uh, you know, Kareem Jackson comes out and says, hey, he, I'm a former teammate of him. I've talked to him for the last several weeks. He wants to go to the Denver Broncos. But what you don't know, do the Denver Broncos and ownership have problems with the case? 
John Clayton as we wrap it up. John, you obviously would never take the Twitter bait, but when all the talk was going on and we talked to you about Russell Wilson and how happy he was or Pete Carroll was and what was happening up there, and he put names out on the list that he would take a trade to, now taking a step back, what really happened there from your perspective and why is it so quiet now? Well, because, it's and again, he, he made a mistake uh, to a certain degree by making his comments, but you could see what was going on. He's sitting up there with the commissioner watching the Super Bowl, and he's watching Patrick Mahomes going through the same thing that he went through in that Rams playoff game where the, you know, there was a cover two defense. The cover two defense wouldn't allow anything to be open. He had to run around, get hit so many times, and you know he just got fed up with that. So he made the statements and made the rounds, but also understand he's got an agent, Mark Rogers, who has only one NFL client, and that's uh, you know Russell Wilson. And uh, you know he was promoting all these different things with uh, you know Dan Patrick and all the other broadcasters mm-hmm. that uh, he's kind of tied into. And uh, you know he was the one who put out the comment that hey, he's not asked to be traded, but uh, there's four teams, and of course you see how silly it was with the four teams. I mean, if he was worried about the offensive line, and I'm not saying the Raiders have done a bad job on the offensive line, but they traded three starting offensive linemen. He brought up the Dallas Cowboys. Well, the Dallas Cowboys have Dak Prescott, and they brought him back. He brought up Chicago. That was not going to work out because you know, Kyle Fuller was going to be included in the deal, but cap-wise they had to let him go. And then, uh, you know, so he puts four teams out there, and uh, none of them were going to work. But in the end, he was happy once they started getting talent like Gabe Jackson, like uh, you know, Gerald Everett, and getting Chris Carson back, getting an extension to Tyler Lockett. He showed up on Monday and is in good spirits and showing good leadership in the OTAs. Hey, John, what do you think of the breaking news today with Kyle Shanahan and the Niners canceling the rest of their OTAs June 15th through the 17th because of the injuries they're suffering. This is remarkable to me that this can happen in this league. They're just saying, hey, we're done. We're going to move on. Yeah, because, again, they've had, they've had more injuries. Philadelphia, Dallas, and the 49ers have had more injuries. Dallas last year. But there's been more ACL tears and more big injuries to 49er players than uh, just about anybody else in the league. So I, I count up the missed starts. Right, mm-hmm. and I don't cheat and say, okay, here's the backup who's filling in, and he missed a couple starts. I just go with the pure starters. They had 117 missed starts last year, and that led the league. Philadelphia was in there at number two, but they've suffered more knee injuries in the last six, seven years, and I don't know why. They've changed people in the training staffs. They've trained different doctors, all those different things. But the bad luck on we're on Monday. One guy goes down with an ACL tear, and another guy goes down with an Achilles. John, last one, are you comfortable with the tone coming out of Green Bay from the Rodgers camp and Mark Murphy and what's happening with the Packers on that side of things? Uh, what do you expect to see here shortly? Well, it's like they're trying to convince us that you know, Aaron's going to show up, and I still don't buy it. And the reason being is that you know how stubborn he can be. I mean, you know, he went at odds with Mike McCarthy at different times before Mike was let go. Uh, he does. You can see even in his politically safe comments that he made to Kenny Maine, he didn't say anything positive about management. And of course, he wants to go to Denver for several reasons. I mean, his fiance's in Boulder. Mm-hmm. I think he wouldn't mind working for a team that's run by a Hall of Fame uh, quarterback and John Elway. And they have the sixth best wide receiver group or pass catching group according to Pro Football Focus. So after being starved for extra receiving help, I mean, all those things seem to play check. And I say right now, he doesn't show up. John, if I don't see in Canton, you know, the first ever Raider home game. It's a preseason game with fans. 
is week one against Seattle here in Vegas. We hope we see you there. I hope to see you there, too. Thank you, John. John Clayton. Great. What a show today. I mean, we got a chance to talk to Pete Rose and John Clayton, Darren Millard, Scott Kaplan. I mean, it's incredible. Bobby, way to go. I mean, just fantastic that we were able to do this today, to go through all of these guests, for Bobby to line this up after getting kicked off by the Aviators yesterday, which happens if I'm going to get kicked off by AAA baseball, hanging out in the backyard a little bit, run some errands. At least they won. Did that good? Yeah. Love the Aviators. They're actually in second place. They're moving up quite well. Let me give them a plug. Thursday is they're back for this homestand. Yep. And Thursday's the first $2 beer night. Let me tell you something. I love beer, right? Modelo, my friends at Modelo, I have a bucket of Modelo's on Friday. Well, if you go to $2 beer night at that game, you get up, you drink a cold beer, it's hot. And then you just go stand in that little waiting area out there by the front. And then you go up there and you give them four bucks, you get two more beers. And you sit down, you crack them open. And you sit there and you drink cold beer at a baseball game. Who doesn't like that? Who doesn't want $2 beer at the Aviator game? The freaking stadium's brand new. It's got every amenity, downtown Summerlin dinner. I walked to the games. Walked. It's my neighborhood. That's my hood. As Grainy says, the mean streets of Summerlin. Uh Remember, why Summerlin? 20 years newer. Five degrees cooler. Right, those Red Rock Mountains oh, right I over know. you. That's why I'm up here. And I, I don't know. I don't know of anybody selling two dollar beers at baseball games. It's fourteen dollars for a beer at any baseball game I ever go to. Oh, and by the way, just to make it a little more interesting, they're taking on their rivals, the Reno the Aces. The Reno Aces. Their rivals. Good oh, to know. Oh, that. Last time they played them, beat them eighteen to three, don't forget. Ooh, did not know that. Yes, sir. All right, so you're running the Golden Knights game tomorrow night. Yep. What's on the line here? I mean, come on. This is this is everything. You got to win game six. You don't want to go back to Colorado. You really don't. Oh, no. And as much as I would be going crazy and rooting for them in Colorado, uh, there, there would every fan wouldn't be no. checked out, but they'd just be like, it was a great ride. You got to win this game. Exactly. And it's at home. I mean, the crowd's going to be just insane. I mean, you, you, you got to close the deal. Flurry gave up that soft goal with 0.8 seconds to go. I'm sitting there going, I cannot believe that just happened. Mm-hmm. How do you come back from that? And then in overtime, overtime starts. The ice is still wet, right? The ice is still, you can see the Zamboni wetness of the ice. Pass in front, Flurry saves it. In overtime, I'm like, the game's over. How did, how did Flurry stop that? Colorado controls. Nachushkin left to right. Dropped it off left side wall. Puck in front, a shot. Flurry, a save. The kick save and the rebound save. The kick save off his toe. That's a goal. Then the puck jumps right in front of him for the rebound. Nobody there. Where the hell are the goal? Nobody there. And they shoot it right in the middle of, of, of Lurie's chest. Can I get that overtime goal from Mark Stone? This was incredible. Pick it up by Pacioretty. Out for Stone. Here he comes. Working left side. He shoots. He scores! Mark Stone! He wins it in overtime. 3-2 to two Golden Knights. The captain delivers his fifth goal of the playoffs. The Golden Knights, game-winning, goal-scoring leader in the regular season, wins it in OT. Dan Duva on the call. So incredible for Dan on that call, the entire broadcast team. And now tomorrow night uh, will be a very special night. I call it a four-day weekend. Okay, four-day weekend because you get Golden Knights on Thursday. And does anybody go back to work anymore? Everybody work from home in this town? <laughs> you work here, Bobby. I'm in studio today, but 
uh, an opportunity. And right now, for the third caller, third caller who calls in, we'll give away tickets to Virgin because I was too busy doing a hell of a radio show that I had nothing to do with. Guests were great. 702-365-9200. Two tickets. Christina Aguilera. The old joint is opening up now, the theater at Virgin, for the weekend. We got two tickets for you. You want to call in. Third caller, 702-365-9200 in radio. If you give away free stuff, the phone rings. Yep. Yep, that's how it works. Have a great day, everybody. I really enjoyed that show. I'm on every night, Sunday to Thursday night, Sirius XM 82 from 7 to 10 p.m. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.